Welcome to the Brother to Brother podcast, a podcast that is part therapy, part tongue-in-cheek, all real talk. Uh, with me today, as always, my brother. How you doing, John? I am doing great. Got some new internet um, on the long weekend because of the holiday. Yeah, I can't... Yeah, I can't it's been a, a, a weird week, a rough week. Um, and, and, you know, we're all thinking about the people in uh, Texas and uh, the people who are you know, suffering because of Hurricane Harvey. And, you know, there's a lot you can do. There are a lot of places that are out there to, you know, where you could donate for charity to help those people, those victims. Um, and, and my only word of caution is when you do that, make sure to check to see if that place is legit and to make sure you know where your, your dollars are actually going because there are a lot of places that are, you know, for-profit charities and like only six cent out of 10 is actually going to to charity or something like that. So, you know, do your due diligence before you donate so that you can do the most to help those people. And if you're thinking about sending supplies, um, I would suggest sending money to places that are already on site, especially uh, uh, places that buy diapers, formula, and some of the hard-to-get things for uh, children, the elderly. There's a lot of on-site um, ver- government-verified sources that where you can donate money to get some really needed supplies, which are better than flooding UPS and FedEx and all these other places with supplies. Um, if you know an organization that's sending trucks down, that's also another great way to get supplies directly there without complicating all the services that are already uh, yeah, those are uh, really great points because you know you don't want to add to the, the problems already um, by which is a is a problem in in of itself but uh, you know if you can go out of your way spare five ten bucks or something to help donate that's you know gonna go a long way and be a great way to help uh, people um, so John before we get into any uh, news stories uh how was your week aside from harvey and all that i had a pretty decent week uh work was productive at the beginning and just you know with every with the holiday coming up a lot of people took days off and it was just difficult just acting like you're being productive when there's no one everyone you email is out of the office um but if that's the worst troubles you know then life's not too bad uh I watched a couple of movies, Alien Covenant, which after some convincing from you, I realized just how bad it yeah, was. Yeah, because when you said that it was that you enjoyed it, I was like, did we see the same movie? Because it feels like this year I've been you know watching a lot of movies, especially since I'm on Cinema Chat more often. And then like when we review these movies and, and we come back and look at some of the um, like like the audience scores, we're like, God, are, are we just so out of touch now? You know, but then I, you know, I look at something like Alien Covenant, like, nah, it's not me, it's other people. <laughs> well, here's the thing, like, um, I was pretty tired when I put Alien Covenant on, and I think having my brain just switched off, I think I, like, overemphasized the parts that I really enjoy. Like, uh, the Xenomorph is probably the scariest creature for me. Like, I would rather face Hellraisers or Freddy Krueger adjacent than fight the Xenomorphs. So I really like those scenes. I like that feeling that I get when I watch those movies. But when we were, you know, tweeting back and forth last night, and you said something right as we left, I think the last comment you made was, said, yeah, they made the same movie. 
And I just thought about it, and I woke up this morning, and I was just like, yeah, those fuckers <laughs> did make the same movie. And the first movie they made right, wasn't exactly. Good. I mean, that's the problem of it, is that they took, like, really Scott took all the criticism for the first movie and, and just didn't understand the criticism of the first movie. It's like, he was like, oh, people didn't like it because there wasn't enough alien. Well, let me throw more alien on top of this bullshit searching for God uh, uh, story I want to tell. It was like, that's not... That was the problem. Nobody wanted to. <laughs> nobody wanted to know the origins of the of the aliens. They just wanted, you know, it's horror in space, and it's like you don't understand your audience. And and there's not a problem with telling the story that he. I'm like, if you want to tell that story, really, Scott, just tell that story, but just don't call it Alien because that's not what we signed up for. Well, so for me, it's, it's even less than that. Like, I didn't. I didn't have a problem with them searching for where we came from. I like that concept. My problem is it's just like the lazy the lazy writing. Like you're telling me that some billionaire imagine if Bill Gates came together with with uh Elon Musk and they met, sent a seed chip trying to basically extend humanity's lifeline, send them out into space. And you're going to send the most inept people who make every wrong decision. Yeah. Every and and what thing. what ticked me off about it was they were explaining the stupid decision they were making as they were making it. You know, I mean, there's one scene where he's like, yes, I know we should stay on course because we don't know where this is going, but we, we have to check this out. It's like, no, actually, you don't. You're responsible for all those lives. You need to keep moving. Like you said, they made the same movie. It's just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. Well, um, my week was pretty eh, typical. Um Though I did do one thing, which I, I kind of wanted to talk about. I went to uh, Robert Pittenger, had a town hall uh, Monday. And, um, yeah, I went to that, too, uh, you know, because one of the things is uh, I, I, we took a break. And, and I'll, I'll, you know, long story short, this, but this last month we took a break from In My Humble Opinion because I was kind of not into it and it was kind of like needed a recharge because I was like what are why are we even doing this kind of thing you know um and uh I, I got notified about this town hall and I was like let me go to this and then so I went there and was able to you know it, he, he had a town hall where he was explaining his views and it, it I think what I wanted to start doing now is being more active in in politics you know because like doing the show is is kind of cool and even doing this is nice but i i don't feel like it's getting anywhere and not necessarily that's not why i started doing any of these you know it was just because i like to talk about politics and shit and like you know but i kind of it's to a point now especially with like trump's america where it's like i i want to be more active Instead of just being a fan, I want to kind of participate. So I went to the town hall, and then next Sunday I'll be going to uh, a meeting of the Democratic Socialists of America. That there's a chapter here in Charlotte. So yeah, I mean, if if you can get more active, even if it's just going to a town hall, so that your your uh, representatives, you know, have to answer to you and answer your questions, I, I highly recommend it. And I have video of it that I need to find a place to post somewhere because it was it was really interesting. You know, um, you hear about these guys who don't want to do these things because there's so much anger. And 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 I don't mean anger as in, you know, unwarranted or just people being pissed off. But, you know, 
they're not happy with the way the country's going or, or what their people are doing, especially, you know, Pittenger got slammed because of his, you know, he came out, started talking about his uh, health care vote that he passed in uh, the House and how they passed that bill like it was a good thing. I was like, dude, you do not know the crowd because he got slammed for that. And it's just, you know, it's a lot of it's very telling because, you know, he's one of these guys that I after going to this town hall, it's like he cannot be reelected because, you know, he basically he somebody asked him at what point would he, you know, walk away from um, Trump? And he's he couldn't give an answer. He was like, there's, you know, I'm going to stick with him because of his agenda and yada, yada, yada. And it's like so basically there's really nothing he can do, you know, because this was right after um, he, he couldn't disavow the nazis and whatnot and somebody asked him like if he can't disavow nazis in the kkk then how can you stand by him and he didn't have an answer for that so yeah right and i was like yeah you gotta go and a lot of people were like you know we're gonna work to make sure you're not reelected. you know you work for us you seem to think that you work for the for you know the rich people and 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 we need somebody who's gonna work for us so yeah so like that that's my that's what I'm going to start doing. I, w- I want to be more active. But, um, that's, yeah. That's awesome. So, let's get quick, quickly into these stories real quick. They're just uh, a few. The DOJ came out and said that there's no evidence that uh, Trump was uh, wiretapped to the shock of nobody. So basically, it's like, yeah, you were talking out your ass, Trump. What, Alex Jones was wrong? Oh, yeah, no. The guy who had to apologize to uh, Yogurt <laughs> doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, we already talked about Hurricane Harvey and that destruction. And, and real quick, I have a question. Do you think this is being done well? Because I know there are a lot of people who have been talking about whether it's being handled well. And and from what I've seen, it seems like it's being handled real well. So so I have friends in the Houston area, some from college, some from friends who I met in college, friends of friends. Uh, and from what I heard that, you know, the no, – A, no one thought that it was going to intensify as much as it would and as quickly mm-hmm. as it did. And I, and I remember watching the original forecast. I don't think Houston was supposed to get hit that hard. I think it was supposed to go further east, if my geography is correct. Um, but Houston has like 6.5 million people, I want to say, in the in its greater area. Um, so evacuating that many people, you would need like four to five days in advance notice. And I don't think that with what it what it started out as and what it became, I don't think it would be feasible. And a lot of people point to what happened. I think it was Hurricane yeah. Rita after Katrina, after Katrina, where, you know, people tried to evacuate. And what happened was the highways were so clogged that people literally spent anywhere from six to 12 to 20 hours stuck on highways, unable to move. Right. And some people off. died in their cars and they, they, you know, you're on the highway running out of uh, gas and stuff like that running out of gas, not having food, not having water. 
Um, I mean, there are people who would just abandon their cars, which then cause people behind them not knowing that. Why aren't we moving? Well, because there are four people, there are four cars with no yeah. drivers in them. You know, so um, it's one of those things where it speaks to our need for expanded uh, uh, spending and infrastructure and just planning. Like we need to have better emergency planning, and we need to come to the reality that with uh, with you know climate change and the way that we have changed our environment. The reason why that storm intensified so quickly was because the water in the Gulf is like 87 degrees. Like, and I remember seeing that on um, on the Weather Channel. It's like the water there, the water in the Gulf is already hot, but it's unprecedentedly hot. So that when tropical storms come through there now, they're just going to be supercharged. So places on the coast have got, we've got to start making plans. We got to start building uh, seawalls. We need to start building. Uh, advanced pumping systems that can get water out of areas quickly. We can't just keep hoping that, you know, we dodge bullets. Because while this is, you know, a one in a hundred year storm, something like that, these might start being one in 50 years and one every 30 years and one every 20 year storms. Now, as our environment changes, you know, we are going to be dealing with these with more intense uh, weather and natural disasters so we've got yeah and then another thing that i've noticed uh, that that uh people have been bringing up about these things and you know um how we're looking at years of rebuilding in houston and the thing is like we can Mm -hmm. afford it now for well maybe probably for houston right but the problem is going to come along when you know, it's Houston that hit and then miami's hit and then there's a drought in the midwest and it's like it's there's going to be a point where there's so many things happening that we can't keep up and and like that's really why the whole climate change business is is why we're talking about it why people want to try and you know do whatever we can to mitigate that but you know you have a lot of people who just that for whatever reason they're all in the pocket of coal and and um big gas and like they that's why you know it's become a political issue because you know it's just the money there but we're all going to have to deal with that in in the long run anyway so i might as well deal with it now even though we're probably past the point of no return um i didn't put this in show notes but i thought it's a funny story and and i just remembered it but um charlie ebdo was getting a a bunch of heat in both and deservedly so because of uh some uh picture that they put out on their cover about uh, basically saying that, you know, all these Nazis and, and white rednecks or whatever in, in, um, in Texas were being drowned out. And like, the, the only reason I bring it up is because I'm not defending Charlie Hebdo um, because I think what they do is for the most part offensive and it, it's meant to offend. And I, you know, it, it borders on hate speech in my opinion, but, um, at least I, I should walk that back a bit from what I've seen. I, I don't follow them or anything like that, but, you know, just what I've seen. So I'll, I'll, I'll put it at that. But the reason I bring it up is because it's funny, the like the the hypocrisy around it, because a couple of years ago when their um, offices were shot and um, they were attacked and, and a few people were killed um, because of 
a few cartoons they put out. There were a bunch of people, you know, all over the world came out in support of Charlie Hebdo, the, the whole We Are Charlie Hebdo thing, you know, and they have the right to post whatever they want to post because that's how free speech works and yada, yada, yada. But now they, you know, put this thing out and all of a sudden those same people are saying that Charlie Hebdo is wrong and they're vile and they're evil. And it's just, it's funny how... You know, because at the time, a lot of people, and I I think I was one of them, was like, it wasn't about free speech. It was just they were attacking people that, you know, people are okay with attacking. You know, they were making fun of Muslims, and that's okay. But now that they're making fun of, uh, quote, unquote, the protected class, you know, making fun of white people, they've crossed the line or something. So I just find it interesting that their same defenders are now the people attacking them. And this has been Hypocrisy of the Week. <laughs> oh, trust me. There's more to come. There is more to come. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I guess I, I kind of think like at this point, it feels like we can have our own subject called Cop Watch. Because there were two big cases uh, just this week. Um a Salt Lake City nurse was arrested for refusing to allow uh, detectives to take blood from an unconscious suspect. Reg, you left out a word. Uh, I believe the word you left out was illegally oh, yeah. right okay. before take out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point because um, since he wasn't under arrest or, or, or wasn't awake to give consent, taking um, – blood would have violated fourth amendment's rights and uh she protested that prevented that from happening uh read out the you know the policy of the hospital and got arrested and that made a lot of news um and i find it kind of interesting because the the, um detective involved has since been suspended there are people talking about he might be come up for charges uh be charged because of that also, a, a second detective involved has been suspended, but I, I find it interesting. And, and along with this next story, where um, a police officer, he says he was trying to de-escalate a situation. He pulled over a white woman, and, and I bring it up because I think it's important to the story. And he told her that she should, you know, could calm down because they only shoot black guys. And he has since been fired. But, you know, a lot of people have been talking about these two cases and the the difference in, in the way that they've been mm, talked about because, yeah, handled. Handle. Yeah, because it's like all these people are, are up in arms over the way that these two white women were treated. But then, you know, and you just look at the response. These two guys have been suspended. That one guy, the, the cop making the quote unquote joke was fired. Um, but yet some, I saw one tweet that said, okay, so you can joke about killing a black guy and keep and get fired, but actually kill a black guy and keep your job. And it's just funny. It's, it's not, it's not ha ha funny, but it is funny the way that so many people are coming to the defense of these two people, but you know, unarmed black people get killed left and right and nothing. It reinforces the idea, not even the idea, the reality that when things happen to white people, specifically white women, things get done. You shoot a white woman, you get suspended, shit gets to, hits the fan, you assault a white woman, you get suspended, you get fired, you scare one, you get fired, 
But think about like what happened when Chandra Bland got pulled over and like basically assaulted and arrested because the cop had had an attitude problem. The only people, not the only people, but the majority of people who were upset were black people, and so many white people said, "Well, she had just been respectful and like all the things that white people yeah. don't have to do." Uh, and no, uh, we can talk about the number of black men and children who have been killed, and the way the nation reacts versus the way um, they've reacted with these incidences. It's just these things where it's like, is is this what it's going to take for there to be Yeah, because I, I remember saying years ago, I was like, so we're we just going to have to wait around for the the right victim to come along for a, a white woman to get assaulted? Is, is that what we're waiting for? And it seems like, I guess that's what we were waiting for. Well, I mean, that's the American, that is the American history, like, throughout all time, basically. No one cares about crack or coke or heroin until the wrong kids start dying from it. No one cares about police violence until the wrong people start dying from it. It's crazy that this is like the same cycle that we have to go through. But it and really and is. I just want to say this. Um, if this is what it takes to get changed, then whatever. So be it. I think uh, I'm okay. Uh, I'm not okay with it, but I mean, if, if that's what it takes. And, and, and to that point, there have been a lot of people who have been criticizing people who are now all of a sudden awoken to this situation. And, and I think there was a time when I was that person. I was like, well, where were you when it was Philando Castillo? Where were you with Sandra Lyon? I think when it... <laughs> Yeah, welcome to yeah, I think we welcome need a pullback. You know, I, I, maybe mention it once, but just be like, you know, you're here now. That's what's important, and and you know what what it took to get you here doesn't. I'm, I'm not gonna say it doesn't matter, but we shouldn't push people away who are who are allies. And if exactly. they're here to join the fight, then you know. If they want to be allies. Yeah. Let them be allies. What got you here doesn't matter as much as the fact that you're here. We need everybody we can get to stop this stuff, so whatever it right. takes, let's do it. Now, uh, before we get into our main topic, uh, our new segment, Asshole of the Year. The nominees are... Let me go first. I'm going to go with Ann Coulter. Uh, she is my uh, ass- nominee for Asshole of the Year. Uh, many of you have heard, uh, while other people were suffering in Houston, and Coulter thought it would be smart to suggest that the hurricane was God's punishment for Houston uh, electing a lesbian mayor, uh, which continues her trend of being purposely offensive and disgusting. And normally she gets outshined by some of the greater uh, conservative assholes, the Rush Limbaugh's, the... Hannity's, uh, the real despicable people. Um, but for me, I just, the idea that she knows that she can only be relevant by being disgusting and it's revolting. And, and for me, that's why she is my nominee for asshole of the year. Well, um, I think, I think my is really going to take the cake. Um, yeah. Ann Coulter will probably be a multiple nominee. That's just, what she is but she's a troll so i i think if people just ignored her then you know all would be well but my nominee for asshole of the year um joel osteen oh yeah 
Hurricane Harvey comes and uh, Joel Osteen sends out some tweets about we're thinking about you, praying for you. But one thing this guy does not do, the guy who has made so much money off of uh, these mega church, you know, um, preaching the gospel of, of, what is it? Prosperity. Prosperity, Uh, yeah. Christianity. Yeah, Yeah, he bought the Houston, what, Houston Ash? No, the old Houston, old Houston Coliseum. Coliseum uh, yeah. And, and uh, one thing he didn't do was open it up as a shelter. And then he said that, well, Houston didn't ask us to open it up. And then there were plenty of places all over Houston, you know, houses of worships that were opening without being asked. Um, and then when, you know, that was brought up, he made all these excuses like, well, we were flooded and we had to survey the damage. And one guy went down and was taking pictures of, you know, uh, this house of worship and like there is there's a puddle in, in the parking lot <laughs> you know just showing that they weren't really flooded and then he finally opened it up and you're supposed to be a, a man of god you know and you shouldn't have to be tell, told you know to to open up to for charity you know that should just be part of you know your thing but then to make all those excuses and if that wasn't worse he then had a prayer service uh, with the people, you know, with uh, people who were looking for shelter and um, passed away, a co- uh, passed around a collection plate. And see, this is my thing. It's just not good PR. Like, I think about the longtime people, like the owner of the Houston, uh, not the Houston Astros, the Houston Rockets. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, who's the comedian? Short guy. Uh, Kevin Hart, okay, yeah. uh, JJ Watt, people who have like made their money being in Houston, being in that community. Um, the owner of the Houston Rockets, the day it was making landfall, donated a million dollars. The next day, when he saw how bad the devastation was and was going to continue to be, immediately upped it to ten million dollars, and I believe up to now it's like it's even more than that. JJ Watt was like, "Listen, I'm gonna match this money." On Twitter, he went from like an initial goal of like fifty thousand dollars. I think they're up to like twenty million dollars or something like that, something crazy like that. Uh, especially with um, partially with donations, partially with money that, that he and other celebrities are matching. The idea that this guy who has made money in his mega church off of a lot of people who can't really afford to send money, the fact that you didn't come out and immediately open up your church and immediately donate money. That's a perfect PR move to say, I who have had this great bounty, who have made it off of this community, I want to, in our greatest time of need, be the first person to give. Because that's what my faith, that's what, like, that's a perfect PR move. Yeah. To to, to be like, oh, no one told us that we should open up? (laughs) What? You're a church. Yeah. Charity is like number two on your list of things. It might be number one. Like, yeah, treat your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that like one of the first? Uh, your Honor, I would like to rescind my nominee for asshole of the year. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. What a what a douchebag. What an asshat. Seriously. Okay, let's move into our our main topic and and what we're talking about uh, shortly is whitewashing. And, and the reason we bring it up is because I, I know it's something that keeps coming up in the news. Uh, one of the reasons it came up this week is because um, Ed Screen, 
who you may know from uh, Deadpool. He played uh, Ajax. Uh, he was Francis. Francis. What's my name? Oh, I'm gonna spell it out. Oh, I'm gonna spell it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he was cast in Hellboy. Uh, Agent Dymo, I believe, is the name. Uh, and then when he was cast, there were a lot of people, um, rightly so, complaining about another example, whitewashing, because the character who's cast as was uh, has Asian descent, or is uh, of Asian descent. Um, Ed Screen, when he found out about this, decided to uh, walk away from the role. He he said um, diversity is important, you know, and I didn't know about the history of this character before I took it took the role, but after you know. Find, being educated about, you know, finding out about it, he decided to step away. And, you know, a lot of people are committing him, and I think rightly so. And then there are a lot of people, and, and this is one of those things, a problem with, uh, you know, like I said earlier, people on the left are like, well, he shouldn't be commended for doing the right thing. Like, no, actually he should, because there's so many people who are not doing the right thing. You know, I mean, imagine if, um, and, and we're going to talk about this, but imagine if Scar Joe had walked away from uh, Ghost in the Shell, or uh, Johnny Depp had decided, you know what, I'm not Native American, and I'm not going to play Native American blackface in The Lone Ranger, you know? For me, it's not even so much that. Like, it's not going to change in Hollywood because people, because the fans bitch about it, unless movies continue to tank. Because even when Ghost in the Shell tanked, they were like, oh, well, it's not because of that. It was because, you know, people weren't able to get into it, or they didn't understand the. I'm like, no. It is only when celebrities walk away and then wag their finger at the studio and say, shame on you for continuing this. Right. Because the next studio that tries to cast someone white in another role, I hope that someone else wags your finger and said, did you not learn from the Ed Screen moment? And not only that, but Ed Screen kind of set a precedent here, you know, because, yeah, I mean, he's not Tom Cruise by any stretch of the imagination, but next time somebody... You know, next time they whitewash uh, a character, someone's going to point to Ed Screen and be like, you couldn't do this too? You know, and that's because the the whole whitewash debate is um, a, a lot of people say best actor for the for the role. And, you know, that's just one of those bullshit talking points that they like to say to defend the, the crap they're doing, because it, it's only best actor for the role when it's uh, a white uh actor being cast in, in a role you know it's it's never the other way around and, and a prime example of that is um the the uh netflix show uh well netflix did an adaptation of um death note and w- when that first came out people were screaming left and right you know about one the whitewashing but then there were people complaining about how the whole cast was basically white with the exception of l who they cast as uh with a black actor but then you had people complaining that l was black as if that was problematic like that should have gone to a white guy i guess in, in their eyes and and like that's a prime example of when you flip this when you know uh johnny storm is a black guy that's a problem you know, when uh, Nick Cage is a black guy, it's no longer the best person for the role, you know. So it's one of those things where it's, it's a double standard. And I think with all these people talking about it nowadays, I, I hope that it's starting to change. And, and I, I really do think that it is. I, I agree because, um, you know, whitewashing obviously has a very huge history 
in um, obviously in all on, on all media, but especially in movies. Um, Mickey Rooney playing uh, an Asian in Breakfast at Tiffany's with the stereotypical uh, slanted eyes, barely open eyes. They gave him enlarged buck teeth. Uh, John Wayne playing Genghis Khan, and that continued from then even into our modern era with uh, recent films, or not necessarily recent, but like movies like Prince of Persia, where the Persian prince is somehow Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, the Last Airbender. God, and who 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 could forget Gods of Egypt? Yep, Gods of Egypt, uh, who were both all white. Um, and then obviously Exodus of Gods and Kings, where where the pharaoh is as white as possible no well no that's the thing like exodus gods of kings everybody was white the, and, and like the only black people you saw really were the servants and the thieves and the assassins no well that's the thing i just never, I, I don't get about these things where it's like why do you pervert history so blatantly it's not even it's not even the history thing for me because i think for me what it is is the the excuses just no longer hold water, you know, uh, the idea that you can't make money off of a diverse cast because the, the, a lot of the movies that are making a lot of money these days have diverse casts. You know, uh, I think the best example of that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you think about the franchise, they make money. And, and the best <laughs> example of that is Fast and the Furious. You know, there it's like a billion dollar industry movie, you know, franchise because and you you can't negate the fact that it, the diversity is one of the things that helps make it sell. I mean, the the demographics behind the viewership in in Fast and Furious would astound you. I'm talking, you know, Asian, Latinos, black, white, um old, young, you know, males and females. It's like, it's hitting every demographic, and it's one of those things where it's like, it, it's, they're not the best movies in the world, but they're speaking to a population that doesn't get to get, you know, that, that doesn't get to see people like them on the screen. And not only that, think about, like, the locations that they go in. Like, they go to Brazil, they go to Asia, they go to parts of America and Africa, like, they Dubai. go to so many different yeah. places. They show so many different cultures, and the fact that they're smart enough to be like, like, hey, we have great, there are great Asian actors, great South American actors, great actors of all these different nations, we get to showcase them all and get to draw from all those populations. And to even take it to a higher degree about how well diversity works um, in cast, take the Triple X series. Those movies are, are complete shit boxes. Garbage. Okay? Hot like, garbage. The first movie... The first movie was not good, but it was the best of them. That last movie was horrifically bad. But you know what? Those movies kill at the theaters because people like being able to see their guys. They get to see Donnie Yen from China. They get to see uh, – who's the guy from Umbuk who's from um, Thailand? Oh, um, uh, God, what's his name? Tony Ja. Tony Ja. Uh, like they just pull from all these different places and different areas, and it you get to see all the different cleavages that you want to see, um, and it shows just why diversity is so important. And it's it's one of those things that when you start showing more diverse roles, you start start to show different and unique stories. Yeah, and whenever we're talking about diversity, I always bring this up. So sorry if 
if you know you've heard it before but I, I bring it up because i think it's really important but there is this um test that these psychologists did called the, i think it's called the baby test where they sat kids down and, and told you know had a white doll and a black doll and asked them to point out um certain characteristics they were like which one is the pretty one which one's the the bad one which one's you know the the, the shifty one things like that and, and you saw you would think of course you know the white kids would point to the white doll as being the pretty one or the good one things like that but what what's heartbreaking is you would see kids of color black kids too who would point to the white doll as a good one and say that the black doll is the one that was ugly or the the black doll was the one that was dumb like because i remember that test so the test they basically had like five dolls ranging from basically trying to really get about every nationality from a very white blonde doll to a very dark black doll with an Asian doll, a Hispanic looking doll, and then, you know, maybe a mixed color looking doll. So basically a doll for every single range of color. And the darker the doll got, the more ethnic looking the doll was, the more likely it was to have negative connotation in children ages like three, four, and five. Yeah, and it's like you have to ask what that does to the psyche of those kids like it seems like they're growing up with this health hate this uh you know this burden of of having to overcome the fact that they see themselves as lesser than or something you know and i'm not saying that movies and and tv are the end all be all when it comes to um self image but they you know they go a long way they, they can help and harm. I mean, this is why if you only see black people as, you know, the bad guy or or the the uh, suspicious, threatening people, it's no wonder why we have a whole generation of cops who look at black people as a as a threat, even when they're unarmed. You know, I mean, it doesn't start and begin in in our media, but it has a very big influence. I kind of think it does. I I think it is. Because the thing about it is, like, I don't think there are a bunch of white families telling their kids to be afraid of black and and Hispanics and Asians. Like, but if you look at commercials and you see kids who are happy and running around, like, most commercials are there are white kids in them. You don't. Uh, there might be one black kid. There might be one Hispanic kid. But it's always a sea of white with sprinklings of color. And so you see. If you're growing up seeing these over and over again, because how many commercials come on in a in a television show? How many commercials come on when you see them in, in TV or or watch them on the internet? Like, if you see these things and you begin to believe that, like, oh man, this one race is doing it right, and then you see on television where, like, you know, all the gangsters are all black, all the dangerous people are Hispanic near the border, like. You get these subtle hints that are just reinforced, and unless someone is there questioning those things, then you get the subliminal belief that like some people are lesser and some people are greater. It's one of those things like it's a reason why I think the white savior, savage, and ethnic people is something we still continue to see. You saw it back in the 30s, 40s, 50s with things like Tarzan. Uh, we've seen in our modern day with uh, 10,000 BC. The Last Samurai. The Great Wall, which I understand, Reg, you, I know that uh, you have a different opinion with the Great Wall because they really wanted Matt Damon, the Chinese director wanted Matt Damon to have 
a big American president. We need to be telling stories where we, we value everyone at the same level, you know? We need to have where people of color aren't all yo 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 hey what's up you know like where it's okay for it to be a nerdy jock it's okay for the asian guy to be the star like quarterback you know like we need to start making it so that we are depicting society as it is and showing everyone with equal worth yeah and and to that point one thing i really loved about i i think you've seen it a lot in this year uh, movies like Wonder Woman, um, Spider-Man Homecoming, you see all these movies with all a very diverse cast. I mean, that's one thing that I I was amazed by, and, and it's kind of funny to be amazed by something like this, but when I was watching Spider-Man Homecoming, it was like, Peter Parker went to a high school that looks like what the high school, I, high went, school to. I went to, even in the South, you know, 15 years ago looked like, you know. A high school that you would think New York looks like, and it's amazing that it took us this long to get there. You know, um, you you look at Rogue One and and um, The Force Awakens, diverse cast, and people celebrate that. And it's important to not just you know whitewash away because these things no longer hold water. You know, you can't just have just only white people and stuff, you know, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, people like Ed Screen and um, others, even like Chloe Bennett, uh, you know, she got a bunch of crap, I guess, this week for, for what, praising Ed, Ed Screen about it? She did. She praised Ed Screen and um, someone commented to her was like, oh, you know, how, how can you be so proud when you change your last name? from Wang because she is she's half Asian half American uh, she changed her name from Wang to Bennett and she basically clapped back at the guy and said I changed my name my, my last name to Bennett because that was the only way I could get hired in Hollywood and it's one of that 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 very real understanding that the person who tried to embarrass her didn't even conceive of the idea that by having the last name Wang she was at a deficit and she would have been because people would have looked at her as Asian and would have been like, oh, we can't put her in this role. She's Asian. But because of the fact that she put Bennett on it, people looked at her as white and available and easier to cast. Chloe Bennett is uh, she's in the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I've been uh, I've been watching that show even in its horrible times. And it's been really, really horrible at times. But um, one thing that she does and, and I, you know, I give her kudos for is that she speaks to a lot of the problems in Hollywood, especially around this like if this guy knew anything about chloe Bennett, he wouldn't know not to make that mis mistake of, of, of trying to slam her on that because she has stated many times that th that's exactly why she changed her name because you know uh, she wasn't getting calls and then when she would get calls they would look at her and say well nobody would believe that she's asian like she does I, she has said many times that she's not asian enough to play an asian person but then not white enough to play a white person so like one of the reasons um, she speaks out about it is she said so that another Asian actor or another actor of color doesn't have to change their name to get roles. So it was like if, if there was ever a person that you, you wouldn't attack on this point, it's uh, Chloe Bennett. And, you know, I give her kudos for, you know, going out there and speaking her truth and, and you know, no matter how uncomfortable it is because, you know, she could have just, you know, denied her her asian heritage and, and 
it, it might have been it might have been more beneficial for her in Hollywood, but she chose to speak out against that. And you know, you have to give kudos to these people because, like she said, by speaking out about it, it it means that um, other people are are not going to have to. Agreed. And and I'll say this, uh, I guess maybe as my my closing. When I think about diversity uh, in Hollywood and cinema and media, the thing I hope is that we will never return to the things I saw um, uh, about I saw growing up. You know, a show like Friends, where um, a show like Friends, where they lived in New York for multiple seasons and maybe had two black characters, and only after an uproar. And I'm not even talking about black characters in the show. I'm talking about black characters as extras, people in the background. You know, a show, uh, I hope we never return to a time where it's just one or two minority faces and they're always the ones who never survive. You know, I was watching this 80s show, Leviathan, uh, a couple of weekends ago with my wife sitting on the couch one early Saturday morning. With seven minutes left, they get off of this this sunken this sunken uh, station at the bottom of the ocean, and it's two white characters, a white male, white female, and the black guy. And Becky's like, "Wow, they made it!" And I was like, "Nope, there's no way. There's still like time left." And sure enough, monster comes up, kills a black guy who sacrifices himself holding dynamite so that he can blow it up. And it's just like, I hope we never return to those days. I hope that diversity is the is is the way we move forward. And speaking along those lines, I think about hero um, shows. I'm so excited for uh, for the new Black Panther movie. Like we're gonna see a movie that oh, is just yeah. filled with color. We're gonna it's gonna be all centered around an African culture. And and uh, for once in a, our may I don't know if it's the first time, but definitely in a long time we're going to get to see an african culture that isn't under the heel of somebody else that isn't a lesser that doesn't have an insecurity complex we're going to see a black culture that is so advanced that is so strong and celebrated and celebrated it's one of these things that i'm almost envious of young black kids i hope that they have i hope that their parents are aware of how important this is and i hope that they use this movie I hope they see it two, three, four times so that their kids can get this. Self- oh, I'm seeing it twice that I weekend. I hope that kids can get that <laughs> self-worth, that self-healing so that they can use this as a cornerstone to think like, I am worthy. My culture is special. And I hope that that, I hope that is what we, I hope we start seeing more and more of this. I want to see an Asian, yeah. I want to see an Asian Black Panther where we just celebrate some Asian culture or the glory of, of South American or Central American cultures. I want to see us start celebrating the diversity of all humanity. That's what I want to see. Yeah, and uh, I, I do want to, you know, looking towards the future, yeah, that's something else I would like to see. Like, I would like to see a, a feature where you can have a because people were calling for this when Iron Fist first came out when it was being first announced they're like, why don't you guys go and make Iron Fist Asian that way, you know? Because th- there's a lot of bad baggage and um i i guess i think we would probably call it racism now surrounding the iron fist character you know white guy goes to asia becomes the you know savior or whatnot so there's some uh, racism there and and people were saying you know why don't you change that you can fix that so that you know there's not that baggage and it 
it unfortunately didn't come to fruition, but it would be interesting. It would be really great to start seeing, you know, more characters that are quote or that are traditionally white to, to, you know, be uh, cast with other races. I mean, if they can do it for, you know, if they can go the other way, if the Lone Ranger could be cast as a white guy, I don't see why, you know, you can't do it the other way. Uh, if the, the, um, Doctor Strange, you know, is a prime example. They cast Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One, and people complained about that in the whitewashing there. And, you know, if, if, if in 2017 we can still see examples of whitewashing, let's start going the other way as well. You know, and, and to, in the, not, not just because it was done in the past, so we're trying to correct it wrong, but because, you know, that's what a, a feature looks like, you know, uh, a, a, a true post-racial America looks like one where everybody's represented where um you can have people cast you can have an asian danny rand not because it's a big you know you're making a point to have an asian danny rand but just because that truly is the best actor for the role you know uh, because that's what the, the the character call not the character calls for but what the script calls for or or um who's the best at it so you know i, I would hope that that we can start to see more of that in the future to the point where people don't even question it because that's just, that's what normal is. So like, let's normalize diversity. Exactly. I want to see a feature that is Star Trek. I don't want to see a feature that is Elysium. <laughs> exactly. Let's move into our, our last segment. What you talking about Willis, where we talk about something that uh, tickled our fancy or, or, you know, um, that has maybe nothing to do with anything. What you talking about Willis? <laughs> I, I want to talk about, where was Obama? <laughs> Hashtag where was Obama? Because this week, uh, you know, during the the uh, Harvey dis, um, disaster, a lot of you saw a lot of people on the right wing started this hashtag where was Obama? You know, talking about how uh, Trump was there to, to um, fix the problems and and you know was being hands on, but then President Obama wasn't there for Katrina, and a lot of people were asking like where was he? How, don't criticize Trump if you're not gonna going to criticize Obama for not being there for Katrina. And, and two funny things about that is uh, he wasn't the president <laughs> for Katrina. And two, he was actually there on the ground helping people out, even though he was just a senator from Illinois. So it was like, it, it's wrong on so many fronts. And then a lot of people started the hashtag, you know, they they jumped on board. Where was Obama? Like, uh, I saw one, um, the dinosaurs being killed by the asteroid. Where was Obama? <laughs> Where was Obama when the Death Star destroyed Alderaan? Hashtag, where was Obama? <laughs> where was Obama when the bombs were dropped on, on Hiroshima? <laughs> you know, it's like, so like a lot of people had fun with it. But what I thought was interesting were the people who came back were like, why are you trying to politicize this? Why are you making this an issue? It's like, you made, you got, your guys made it an issue first. So, you know don't just attack the people who are setting the record straight. I, I don't understand why, you know, it, it it can go, you could chop that out with the whole way Antifa has been getting this, you know, this horrible, horrible press lately because trying to, trying to equate Antifa with uh, the Nazis that they're trying to fight. And it's funny because I think people need to be reminded that Antifa stands for anti-fascist. So, you know, I mean, do I agree with all their tactics? Not all of them, but I understand why they, you know, they, they, they do them because, um, you know, I, I think, and, and I'm, I'm getting away from what I'm talking about 
trying to get preachy, and I'm, I'm, I don't mean to, but the, I'm just trying to point out that the false equivalency, we really need to end it. And the, the aboutisms, you know, like uh, when, when we criticize Trump and he says, well, what about when so-and-so did this? And it's like, first, if you're going to say what about when so-and-so did it, make sure you're right about what you're talking about. And then two, that doesn't excuse you you know, because I, I know growing up when I would get in trouble and say, well, what about John? My parents weren't like, we're not talking about that. You know, it was like even kids know that you can't get out of of your bad actions because somebody else. And did along it. those lines, it reminds me kind of of Jesse Williams VT award ceremony where he basically told Black Lives Matters critics to sit down. One of the best things he said in that speech was. If the first time you raise your voice on an issue is to tell victims and are are to tell people to stop criticizing evil, it's like if you're not there, if you weren't criticizing the evil, don't tell people who are criticizing evil to be quiet. Sit down. And that's kind of the way I feel about it. Like if the only thing you say about and about Antifa or about um, you know people who are refuting lies as to why are you refuting these lies why are you wasting your time on that like sit down be quiet like if you're not adding positively to the situation then you need to just sit down because if people are spreading lies it is in the best interest of society to silence those lies for the betterment of everybody and if you're only there to try to defend or be an apologist for evil sit down be quiet sit down um um, before we do go i I just wanted to kind of bring up something that uh, i think we talked about last week and it's just because you 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 mentioned it but i think last week we talked about how tina fey was like go eat a sheet cake or some shit like that um and i just wanted i I found it interesting the way that um i I guess the, the the change in culture that we're seeing right now because of charlottesville you know people uh, in uh, San Francisco, they, they in Berkeley rather, they they came out to uh, march against this quote unquote free speech that these you know neo Nazi types were gonna throw in Berkeley, and because the response was so big, you know, because so many people showed out and, and planned to attend, um, they didn't have any. They were there, you know, showing their s- support and solidarity for uh, you know a- against these people you know, against fascism and, and hate and, and things like that. But the people that they were meant to protest didn't show up because, you know, and, and you've seen this a lot lately is that all these quote unquote protests, you know, by these white supremacists, they're being mm-hmm. shut down. Like they're, they're canceling. I think I saw last 66 some odd events have been canceled so far. Um, there are even uh, in um, D.C. and Virginia canceling uh civil war reenactments which i think that's a whole different kind of discussion but you know statues are being brought down uh columbus day is becoming indigenous people day and i think it's really you know it's an interesting time that we're living in that that you know people of color their concerns are being heard and and uh we're seeing action on those concerns I just think it's it's beautiful to see American society, even if it's the slowest moving wheel, it's nice seeing us getting to a point where we can say, listen, we did fucked up things in our history that have like consequences still till day, and it's okay to 
admit them and do something about them. It's okay to pull down statues. It's okay to rename holidays. It's okay to uh, to do uh, the the hard things. It's okay, and I like it. It's like it's nice to see. Gives me a little bit of hope for the future, just the smallest bit. Not a lot, the littlest. What you talking about, Willis? Uh, well, Reg, I think this has been a great show. Uh, you can find Reg online at um, on Twitter and Instagram at Hidanas, H-I-D-D-A-N-A-S. Also, he hosts, uh, co-hosts, In My Humble Opinion, as well as Cinema Chat, Cinema Chat Podcast. Lola. <laughs> and you can find John at Tempe WMF on Twitter and Instagrams, and he also does uh, Tempe's World. Which what did you recently put something out? Uh, no, I haven't put that one out yet, just because I'm not sure what direction that's going to go uh... in. Not sure where it's going to go in. Um, but uh, you can still check out the ep- the the website TempeSworld.com. There's old episodes, a uh, couple of blog posts, which might disappear here in a little bit. Um, but, uh, in my humble opinion, it's going to be back next week. So look forward to that. And, um, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. As always, uh, tell your story and speak your truth and stay woke.